Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Research in Pharmacy Practice. This series focuses on discussions for all things related to research, including fundamentals, best practices, and practical advice for all those interested in contributing to the advancement of practice. This episode will also expand the focus to medication use evaluations. My name is Barbara Nussbaum. I'm the Vice President for Research and Education at the ASHP Foundation, the philanthropic arm of ASHP. Today's episode, we will be discussing considerations for conducting a medication use evaluation, or MUE, for the treatment of skin and soft tissue infections in the emergency department setting. I am pleased to be joined by Dr. Heather Draper, Clinical Pharmacy Specialist, Emergency Medicine at Trinity Health Grand Rapids. Dr. Carrie LaPlante is also joining us this afternoon. She is the Professor and Chairperson of Pharmacy, University of Rhode Island. Dr. LaPlante is also the Director of Rhode Island Infectious Diseases Research Program and Infectious Diseases Pharmacotherapy Specialist at the University of Rhode Island College of Pharmacy. My guests today were members of an advisory panel who led the creation of a new MUE resource guide supported by a grant from Paratech. Welcome and thanks for joining us today. Well, let's jump into the conversation. Carrie, why is skin and soft tissue infections an important topic when considering treatment of patients? Thanks, Barbara. I'm excited to be here today with you and Heather. It's going to be fun. So it's a great question. Skin and soft tissue infections, we'll refer to them as STIs. They're common occurrences. We know this. We see them in the ED all the time. They frequently bring patients to the doors of the emergency department and urgent care visits. And really to put things in perspective, let's think about the numbers. The data we have from 2018 alone, right before COVID, about half of patients diagnosed with skin and skin structure infections were admitted to the hospital after being seen in the ED. So more than half, and this is what we're seeing at our practice site too. And the patients that are usually being admitted are the ones with comorbid conditions like diabetes, heart failure, and our obese population. So these are the ones we're really concerned about and the ones that may have the worst outcomes. And when you look nationally in the United States, there's almost 3 million patients a year that are being admitted and treated for skin soft structure infections. So when I think about this, you know, of course, we're treating these infections. They're usually bacterial in nature and approximately 85 to 95% of all antibiotics prescribed are in outpatient settings. And this really includes emergency departments. And even more, about 30% of antibiotics prescribed, depending on where you practice, are deemed unnecessary. So the overarching theme here is we really want to get it right. We want to diagnose it. We want to treat with the appropriate antibiotic upfront because we don't want to admit them if we don't have to, and we want the best possible outcomes for our patients. There is no doubt that skin and soft tissue infections represent a significant portion of the patient complaints and infectious diagnosis that are made in the emergency department and urgent care settings. This is definitely something that we have seen as a trend nationally, and certainly something that I have seen in my local practice as well. Now, to add to that, we're not only seeing an increase in the number of patients with skin and soft tissue infections, but really where some of the challenges are coming in are that we are seeing an increased rate of outpatient treatment failures. So this is leading us to have much fewer treatment options in these patients that may not meet full admission criteria. 
And we're also seeing a significant increase in the number of patients presenting with systemic symptoms. So not just isolated complaints of infection in the skin or soft tissue, but also that are meeting sepsis criteria, for example. So really a higher level of acuity of infection in those patients presenting with SSPI, where traditionally we would often think of that as an outpatient condition in a lot of settings. The last thing I will mention, in addition to all of these factors, is that we're also starting to see a pretty dramatic increase in the rate and extent of resistance in some of the common pathogens that are causing infections, even in those patients coming from the community that historically would not have the traditional risk factors that we would think of. So one example that comes to mind that we have definitely seen in our community is the rate of resistance for things like clindamycin or sulfamethoxazole trimethoprim in patients that we would formally consider community-acquired MRSA infections. Wow. It sounds like this is a really important performance improvement opportunity, as well as a real challenge. You just mentioned the concerns about antibiotic resistance. Carrie, what are some other challenges or unique considerations when treating SSTIs in the ED or urgent care? Yeah, another great question and something we think about a lot. So I'm a little biased in my response. So first, I'm going to talk about antibiotic resistance, just like Heather mentioned. We're starting to see these trends of increased resistance to the antibiotics that we have traditionally been using to treat such patients. So whether they be outpatient or inpatient settings. So first, antibiotic resistance. It's a concern. These bacteria replicate much faster and evolve quickly. Resistance is always going to be an issue. And we need to stay ahead of that. I'm a bit biased, as I said in the beginning, C. diff, right? When we're using these broad spectrum antibiotics, we are putting our patients, we're altering their microbiome. Oftentimes they can be in dysbiosis and we're putting them at greater risk for C. diff. So that's my number two. Another thing we have to think about is the patient disposition. It's another vital consideration. Can that patient be treated and released back home? Is there social support? Do they need to be admitted to the hospital? Just like Heather said, they're a lot more sick. We see patients that are more likely to have sepsis. Do they need IV therapy? Do we start them in IV therapy? Figure out what's going on. Quickly send them home with oral therapy. And I think this really segues to the MUE that we're really going to talk about today because one of the key challenges that we encounter is integrating all new updated information into our established treatment guidelines. One thing, you know, the ID community says it's hard to keep these IDSA guidelines up to date. We just can't keep up with all the new data. So we really need to do some MUEs, look at our local resistance, look at our patient population, conduct these MUEs, and really raise awareness of the challenges. So I know that Heather has a lot of experience, so I'll pause and I'll let her kind of get in the details of the MUEs that she's done. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for bringing up those really important points. Certainly the how to process the new information in infectious disease with lagging treatment guidelines are all very relevant, particularly to the practice setting I work in, which is the emergency department. So in addition to those things that you've mentioned, Carrie, there's a few other considerations that I just want to outline before we jump into the MUE that are kind of unique challenges, if you will, to the emergency department environment or urgent care setting as well such as the increasing pressure that all emergency departments are feeling right now in terms of patient throughput. So the level of acuity of illness is higher, the number of patients presenting are higher, particularly now as the numbers are increasing in the census after COVID time. 
And this is associated with increased wait time. While we're still feeling the pressure to see patients in as timely manner as possible, we're also being forced to board patients in the emergency department for a longer period of time. And as we've mentioned, there's an increased acuity of illness. Now, we have to combine this with the fact that in the majority of cases of patients that we're talking about in the emergency department, there's limited patient information at the time of prescribing. And this leads us to almost always empiric prescribing with little information and limited targeted diagnostics as well. So we don't know which pathogen is causing the infection or even anything close to the susceptibility at the time in which we're making antimicrobial decisions. In addition to that, for patients that are discharged from the emergency department, for example, the follow-up for those patients can be challenging even when we do have the targeted culture results, for example, back. So as you mentioned, it really does require an in-depth investigation into patients and site-specific factors, things like age, the affected area, or location of the infection. Even in the skin, we think about uh, treatment often different depending on the location. And then thinking about the most likely pathogens causing the infection, and as you mentioned, risk factors for resistance or treatment failure. What are the odds this patient can really successfully be treated outpatient versus needing to come into the hospital even for observation status or short-term IV therapy. And then, again, a weight against the odds for disease progression compared overall then for what treatment options we have available to treat our infection based on what we know historically with our local antibiogram. Yeah, it's funny, Heather, as you're saying this, I'm writing it down, all the things to include in the MUE, because I hope our listening audience has a pen and a paper, because you really jotted down all the salient points that we need to include, and then we need to reflect on. It was helpful. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, these were ones that you all captured as part of the advisory panel on that resource guide, which, of course, you all need to customize, right, to what's going on in your organization to make sure that you're really capturing the outcomes the processes that you can affect. And so we've been talking about MUE as a performance improvement method, but now let's transition to framing it from that larger antimicrobial stewardship or antibiotic stewardship program. Sorry, that's a mouthful. Heather, can you talk a little bit more about framing it from that perspective, like a stewardship? Yes, absolutely. I would love to talk about this because I am very passionate about how MUEs can be used in antimicrobial stewardship efforts. So I truly, truly believe that conducting MUEs are a valuable tool in antimicrobial stewardship efforts, especially in the emergency department and even the urgent care settings for many reasons. First, the results of the MUE can be used in many ways to improve antimicrobial stewardship in the emergency department. For example, identifying key practice trends in your community or in your department, which can be used to then target educational efforts. They can also be used to create or update treatment guidelines. And I will mention in the emergency department, we tend to be very protocol driven. Our providers and our pharmacists and our nursing staff tend to really lean on protocols in this setting. And antimicrobial stewardship is really a great way to implement protocols to improve efforts there. I do also want to mention that any pharmacist can participate in an MUE in the emergency department as the opportunities are plentiful. You don't have to be a pharmacist dedicated to the emergency department specifically, and your institution doesn't have to have dedicated emergency pharmacists to do an MUE in the emergency department. This is really helpful, I would say, for those institutions that don't have ED pharmacy services, but that are looking to 
meet the requirements or make efforts toward meeting the requirements from the Joint Commission related to antimicrobial stewardship in this setting. I will say personally, from my experience, we have been able to have a truly great impact in our emergency department and urgent care settings through our MUE efforts that have been conducted there. And we regularly conduct MUEs in our emergency department and urgent care settings, essentially on an annual basis. I would say minimally on an annual basis right now, we're working on some form of MUE in our emergency department. In my practice personally, in addition to some of those areas that I've already mentioned, we've also used MUEs to expand our services to additional care areas. So initially, when we were working in the emergency department, we used an MUE to determine the feasibility of extending our antimicrobial stewardship efforts into the urgent care center. We also used the results of our MUEs to expand our collaborative practice agreement associated with antimicrobial stewardship, including a culture follow-up program. And we have also been able to optimize prescribing based on findings from our evaluations for several diseases. The last thing I definitely want to mention, and it would be, I just cannot emphasize enough also how much of an excellent opportunity this has been, not only for us as pharmacists, but also for our pharmacy residents to get involved. They essentially take the lead on our MUE project based on the current load for our preceptors, particularly our infectious disease and emergency department pharmacists it really wouldn't be possible for us to perform this many MUEs and impact this many areas of practice for us without including our pharmacy residents. So our involvement from that standpoint, specific to the emergency department setting, is that our residency preceptors are generally responsible for generating the ideas, generating a list of potential ideas to choose from for the MUE. And then we're available to assist with the design of the MUE, the planning, and even the analysis. But overall, really, our pharmacy residents are the ones driving these MUE efforts for us in my personal practice. I love that. I'll just add briefly three points, right? This is perfect before the Joint Commission comes and part of your ongoing reviews, because at the end of the day, with the medication management standard for Joint Commission and antimicrobial stewardship, they want us to identify our own problems and then figure out how to fix that. So these are fantastic things to include for your joint commission visit. I want, you know, maybe the academics in the audience is, you know, there's implementation science is really taking off. And basically what it is, is what we've been doing this whole time. An MUE is a component of implementation science. It's really a fancy term for what we've been doing. It studies the methods, it studies the strategies and the facilitators. And one of the key pieces after we complete our MUEs is those conversations we have with the committee and the conversations we have with all the individual stakeholders to say, this is what we found. Do you agree? And just having those conversations with the providers and hearing what they have to say as they reflect can really help change behavior. So that's exciting. And then you mentioned the residents. That's fantastic. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our APPY students. So also a great experience for your APPY students that are on rotation with you. This is terrific, you know, to talk about kind of closing that loop, right? That you bring in the team and then you feed in what are those outcomes that, and how can you improve? So it's, it's terrific. You know, Heather, you gave some examples of some MUEs. I wonder if you want to speak to a little bit more, maybe of a, a specific example or a recent one that you can share and maybe specific about what kind of outcomes you were collecting. 
Yes, absolutely. I would love to. As I mentioned, we have done a fair number of MUEs in the emergency department specifically related to antimicrobial stewardship. So, you know, some of the areas I mentioned would be developing our treatment protocol and treatment guidelines and using that to target education efforts. I would like to talk about some kind of interesting, at least I find interesting or kind of more alternative and new areas we've been experimenting with MUEs in antimicrobial stewardship specifically. So recently we did an MUE to evaluate de-escalation of therapies. So historically we've been using MUEs to really target empiric therapy and how can we improve empiric prescribing? What are our trends? How are we performing? But we just finished an MUE looking at de-escalating antibiotic therapy after those patients are discharged, have the culture's results returned, and the culture results are negative. So this is, for us, we felt this is a new and novel area to explore and are considering implementing that actually into our collaborative practice agreement, where we would actually follow up with those patients that have a negative culture and determine if we can de-escalate or stop antibiotic therapy, if that would be appropriate. So we felt like that was a, a unique avenue. Another project we're currently working on this year with our PGY2 resident in infectious diseases is actually evaluating pediatric antibiotic doses after discharge to determine if there's opportunities for truly optimizing prescribing for pediatrics specifically. And we have done a few pediatric projects in the past where they've been included in, but this will be one of the first times where we're really, really focusing in on pediatric antimicrobial prescribing. I would like to mention one other example of an MUE that not only changed our process, but also changed patient care and had an economic impact on our performance in the emergency department. And that had to do actually with rapid diagnostics, which I know initially in thinking about rapid diagnostics, well, where does a pharmacist fit in with that? So let me just tell you briefly when the rapid diagnostic uh, nucleic acid amplification test for gonorrhea and chlamydia became widely available, we actually conducted an MUE to determine what the impact would be of implementing that rapid diagnostic testing for gonorrhea and chlamydia, specifically on our emergency department. And we compared that to what had been historically done, which was the typically a send-out test. And we found from this MUE that there was a statistically significant increase in treatment appropriateness. So ensuring that positive results were treated with the appropriate antibiotics and that antibiotics were not given in those patients that had a negative result, for example, we found there was a significant decrease in the time for which the patient was notified. And that has public health implications as sexual partner notification is associated with that. And then we actually found a pretty significant cost saving for our institution as well. So this was a project that we initially didn't anticipate having such a drastic impact in our patient care in the emergency department. It started with an MUE, and it has now resulted in our use solely of the rapid diagnostic test for gonorrhea and chlamydia in our emergency department. That's fantastic. You know, I'm going to take it and pivot a little bit and share that 
So usually when we create these MUEs, we'll go back to the most recent practice guidelines. So it's been about 10 years since IDSA, which is our organization, we they do great work, but it's been about 10 years since they updated the skin and soft tissue infection guidelines. And when you do this MUE, you want to see where the gap is. And there's some antibiotics that are on the market that were not included in the guidelines that came out 10 years ago. And my passion for C. diff, I think everyone knows preventing C. diff infections. Everyone knows that tetracycline antibiotics work really well. So I will put in a plug to say a consideration for some of the hospitals. If you're looking at your MUE, you need to look to see that there's additional options like tetracyclines that can be used in your pathways. And if you want something that can help prevent C. diff, like some of our tetracyclines can, you want something that is an IV to oral switch which is very easy to do, there's other considerations and there's other drugs on the market. So I would encourage you to look, as we know, most skin and soft tissue infections are caused by staph and strep. I teach this, I teach this to our students and some gram negatives and take a look and see what other options are out there to treat these type of infections. I'm so glad that you brought that up. I should have maybe even closed my thought, but you totally brought this back to me. And I spoke about the rapid diagnostics for gonorrhea and chlamydia. But you basically just generated another idea there and kind of, again, expanding the idea of could rapid diagnostics be built into skin and soft tissue? So with MRSA, you know, MRSA and MSSA PCR testing, how might we be able to build this in? Just continuing to build on what you just brought up, Terry. That's another idea I may have to take back and implement. No, endless ideas here. Endless ideas and opportunities, right? And clearly what you're saying is not only are you using these as a tool for patient care, right? Optimizing patient care, but also to demonstrate pharmacies leadership in this area and advancing practice. So that's fantastic. You know, we're going to be wrapping up. We could probably talk for longer. There's so many ideas and questions, but kind of wrapping up, you know, thinking about your experiences and this resource guide and, you know, what is one piece of advice you have for our listeners, or maybe one thing you would want the listeners to take away from today's conversation? Well, first, I do want to thank you for the opportunity to be with you today to discuss a topic that I am very passionate about. I could go on for hours and hours and hours about this topic. So thank you for the opportunity to be here. While it is very difficult for me to narrow down to just one takeaway for the day, I would say that my one takeaway is that there is a tremendous need for expanded antimicrobial stewardship efforts in the emergency department particularly towards high-value targets that include infections of the urinary tract, respiratory tract, and skin and soft tissue infections. I truly believe we are at a critical point in medicine where we really have to take action, and I truly believe the pharmacist is a key player in antimicrobial stewardship. I would say that for all institutions, conducting an MUE is really a great way to expand antimicrobial stewardship efforts in the emergency department. And this can ultimately improve patient care. It can establish relationships with the emergency department team. It can identify future targets for services that can be provided, and it will help you meet regulatory requirements related to antimicrobial stewardship. Well, that's tough to beat. I don't know if I could beat that. <laughs> so, you know, what I like about it is that it gets us collaborating with our colleagues in emergency departments, right? We, you know, sometimes we could be siloed a little bit. 
So, you know, in wrapping up, I think it's really clear that these MUEs, they're essential in enhancing antibiotic stewardship. It's important to reflect on our antibiotic prescribing practices, ensure that prescriptions align with evidence-based guidelines. And if they're not up to date, you need to consider if there's more options for your patients. And really, you know, this contributes to the larger impact that we all need to be aware of, which is antibiotic resistance. So I would say, you know, I always want to end on a high visionary note. You know, we have all dedicated our lives to service and care of patients. Pharmacists are medication use and safety experts. We're committed to antimicrobial stewardship. And, you know, the work we do today really contributes to a larger community of healthier patients. So staying engaged, staying informed, listening to podcasts like this, and making a positive impact of the world of infectious diseases and pharmacy and healthcare. You know, thank you to all of you listening. We're going to all rise together and do better for our patients collectively. Wow. Terrific way to wrap it up. And that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank Carrie LaPlante and Heather Draper for joining us today to discuss opportunities and key strategies for conducting an MUE for the treatment of skin and soft tissue infections in the emergency department and urgent care settings. If you haven't before, I encourage you to check out the new ASHP Foundation MUE Resource Guide, along with other ASHP and ASHP Foundation research resources. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcast for more great content from ASHP. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to ASHP official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.